told you, I, uh, we've been in camp meeting all week in Cleveland, and uh, my wife learned to appreciate me this week. She's always telling me when it's time to wrap it up. But the shortest sermon we heard this week, the gentleman spoke for an hour, and that was the shortest one. So she learned to appreciate me. <laughs> I, I, I want to, just before we move into the sermon, because I don't know what's going to happen here in just a moment, I'm, I, I just God's stirring in me. This week, our youth are traveling to Jensen Franklin's conference, and I am believing God to start a revival amongst our young adults. He spoke Monday night and delivered such a powerful word that just, oh my. And I am believing that he's going to speak into the life of our young people. I'm going to be passing out names come Wednesday night. They've made me a list, and I am going to uh, give, ask certain people to pray. I'm going to ask you if you want to pray for one of our, our young adults, every leader, every kid that's going. I'm just believing God to rock their world. I, I'm believing that God can make Corbin a dancer this week. And I love him, but he's got less rhythm than I do. Amen? <laughs> Probably. So I want to ask you to be praying for them and believing God for safe travels. And for, uh, you know, it won't hurt my feelings for him to start it on the bus on the way down there. Amen? I, uh, I'm going to be very transparent this morning. I, I've been working on a sermon all week. I've sent Hannah my scriptures. But yesterday morning, I was just sitting down pinning a, a passage of scripture I had read this last week, and the Lord just keeps taking me back to it, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really, um, uh, I feel like that's what he's wanting to deliver, and those of you who know me know that I like it in my outline form, and nice and neat where I can read it, because I can't always read my handwriting, and I've been struggling, and I received a text just a few moments ago from a pastor friend that is in Middle Tennessee, and we don't normally talk, but he sent me a text that simply said this, I'm believing for the roof to come off the house today. So, with that being said, I, I, has anybody ever been frustrated? A couple of people been frustrated before? So, I'm not alone in the house? I mean, you ever been just uh, so frustrated it started steering you in directions you really didn't want to go? Come on now. I mean, just, I'm talking physically frustrated? Emotionally frustrated? Spiritually frustrated? I think we all have. I think we've all been there. and We've talked about it uh, in the past, but frustration will drive you to do things that you never dreamt of doing. Frustration can keep you from the favor of God. And I want to minister for a few moments... On a totally different text than I've got planned to out of Luke chapter 5. I'm sorry, Miss Hannah, but I'm going to Mark chapter 2. And I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And it says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, and the people had heard that he had come home. Now, I'd been in Cleveland all week. I had stayed, you know, for four nights, I'd stayed in a hotel. When I got home, you know what the first thing I wanted to do was? Sit down in my recliner. Ha, <laughs> ah, I'm home, a comfortable place, a comfortable chair. Jesus, 
had come home. He had moved to Capernaum. Remember, after his ministry started, he moved and he lived in Capernaum. So, and then in verse 2 it says, So many people gathered there, there was no room left. Not even outside the door. I can't wait till that day. Mm. And you know what Jesus did? It says, he preached the word to them. Then some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried before them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 6. Now some of the teachers of the law were, were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. Is it okay if I just take my notes and preach for a minute? I want to talk to you just a moment about Capernaum. I want to lay a foundation about Capernaum. You see, Capernaum, as I told you, was where Jesus lived according to, to, to Matthew chapter 4. It was also the home of Peter and Andrew and James. It was also the home of Matthew, the tax collector. This is where he lived. This, this was home to them. And it's also one of the three cities that Jesus cursed because of their lack of faith. He cursed Capernaum because they didn't have the faith. You see, it, it was in Capernaum where Jesus healed the centurion's uh, um, uh, servant. It was in Capernaum, it was in this synagogue that, that Jesus gave the sermon about the bread of life. It was in Capernaum there off the Sea of Galilee where Jesus stood on the hillside and delivered the sermon on the mount. Wow. So this was a pretty happening place in this time. It was a home to a lot of folks. It, was a, it, it had to be home to some important folk for the centurion to be there and come to, to get his servant healed. And in Mark, Mark chapter 2, we just read, Jesus came home. I don't know about you, but I show hope this is where he calls home right here. I believe his presence is here. I believe he's home. I believe he's in the house. And you know, so it says they all came to hear him preach. It was so full, there was no room in the house. The doors were open. The outside was packed. And if you look into some of the commentaries, it was all around the house. It was everywhere. But in those days, the roofs were flat. And they had stairs going up to them because they would use that as patio space, I believe. Whatever they wanted to do. 
So these guys get there and they make their way through the crowd. Hmm. I believe people had made themselves comfortable. The crowd was there. Jesus was at home. The homeboys back, let's go listen to them. They were sprawled out. They were comfortable. They were sitting in their comfortable chairs. They were outside with their friends, sipping coffee and, and listening to the master speak. And they were comfortable. I want you to hear me. Because it sounds a lot like the church of today. We're comfortable. We're saved. We're going to heaven. Praise God. We're, we're there. Whoop, whoop. We're there. They're comfortable. And Jesus comes and goes to the house, and, and they all come to see him. And you know, there were several different types of folks there that I see in this passage. I, and just to name a few of them, there were those spectators, those that were comfortable, those that were outside sipping coffee, looking in, going, hey, yeah, Jesus, go, boy. You, you've done this and that, man. You're a hero around here. You, you're on circuit. You're on tour. And thanks for coming home and, and sharing a little bit with us. And wow, go, Jesus. And then you got those religious folks. Uh-oh. You got them religious folks. They're the ones who were sitting there going, who does he think he is? We know him. We know who he is. Who does he think he is saying he can heal the sick and, and, and save the lost? Only God can do that. Who does Jesus think he is? The religious folks, the ones that have arrived, the ones that are comfortable and there and think that they have arrived. We, we're saved, bless God. Back in 1962, I knelt at an altar in the church of the chosen frozen and I gave my heart to Christ, praise God. Now Jesus, who do you think you are saying, you can save me? We laugh, but how true is it? How true is it? And see, and then you got, you got them folks that are running up and trying to get in. They're the desperate folks. You ever been desperate? You say, I've been desperate before. I went to this camp meeting desperate. I went to this camp meeting. The title of it is, it was more. And I went saying, God, I got to have more. God, I, I know there's more. i got to have more. And I refuse to allow us to settle for less when I know there's more. We've got to become these desperate folk like these four young men that came carrying their friend to Christ. They were desperate for a move of God. They were desperate for God to intervene in their life. How many folk do I have that you're desperate for God to do something in your life? You're desperate. They were the ones that said, God, I've got to have more. I want more in my life. I need more of you. I've got to have more of your presence. They were the ones that they pressed their way through the crowd. They, mm. I find it amazing. And I'll just I'll tell myself, I take my children to a, a Toby Mac concert. And we will press our way through. 
just to let Toby Mac sign something or, or, or just to touch Toby Mac. Uh, we, we took Hannah when she was just a little bitty girl and Toby Mac came walking on the chairs and, and he leaned on Hannah's shoulder. And Hannah's trying to take a picture of him and she's so tore up, it's like she's got five thumbs and she can't get his picture. And then afterwards she's crying because Toby Mac touched her and she didn't get a picture of it. And he's as old as I am. But how long has it been since we've been that desperate folk to get into the presence of God? How long has it been since you've been desperate and need a move of God to where you're willing to risk and take a chance? Now, now, now folks, remember, this wasn't their house, and they were so desperate, they got up there into a, a hole in the roof. They were so desperate to get to Jesus. Now, they didn't have guns back then, but I've been sitting there with my slingshot taking them out, tearing a hole in my roof. They wanted Jesus. They needed to encounter him. You see, those desperate folks, mm, they were determined. They were determined to get to Jesus. They were the folks that you've heard your pastor speaking these last several weeks about signs, Wonders and miracles. Mr. Roy, they were the folks that, I'm going to get my miracle. If it takes me climbing on the roof and tearing a hole in that bad boy, I'm going to get to Jesus because I'm desperate. I need a miracle of God in my life. Therefore, I'm going to tear a hole in the roof. They, they weren't just satisfied by being a part of the crowd. They weren't satisfied with just sitting in the pew. They weren't satisfied with being the, one of the ones outside sipping coffee and going, Oh, good word, Jesus. Oh, go get them, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Yo, yeah, yeah, man. They weren't content. They weren't happy with just that. They weren't just satisfied watching someone else get their miracle. I don't know about you, but I, one of the guys that came in this week, his wife got healed of a disease she's been struggling with for how many years, I say? 15 years, was it? If you're watching, Brian, praise God, I hope the roof's coming off your house. They're an hour behind us. Church, that doesn't make me go, <laughs> watch, she can her miracle. No, that motivates me. It shows me my God's still in the miracle working business. I'm going after it. I'm going after it. I'm going after it. They weren't just there for a little feel good. Ooh. Pastor Eric, that was good. I got a goosebump. I was sitting there in worship and I was thinking, I wonder how many of these folks went to a place this weekend and the music started and they're going, whoop, whoop, whoop. And we start worshiping like, Kumbaya, my You see, desperate folk don't get over going, Kumbaya. They give it to whoop, whoop. We're going to go after the miracle we need. We're going after it. We're not just going to be satisfied and complacent watching everyone else get blessed, but it's going to motivate me to press in and get what I need of God. Mm. They weren't just satisfied to fulfill status quo. Oh, I came to church. That's my Christian duty. I started the week off with service. Let's go home. And... Yeah. These guys that were desperate, they were determined to get to Christ. 
They were determined. Were, I, I, who knows how far they had walked? It may have been around the corner, but more than likely they had walked for miles upon miles. And we get mad if we don't get a front parking spot. I mean, i got to drop my crew off at the front door and then park and walk in. <laughs> I better keep going. I'm getting in trouble. <laughs> they wanted in the presence of God, church. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know if you've sensed it or seen it, but the presence of God has been in this house. The power and the presence of God. You can try to ignore it. You can try to push away. You can try to be a spectator. But I'm here to tell you, the presence of God is in the house. And it's time to begin to seek Him and receive what He has for us. Or you're going to get run over. I love you. But. Yeah. We, Lord, help me. We've had too many spectators for too long. Too many of, I used to be this. I used to do that. I used, get over your used tos. It's time to. It's time to. It's time to begin to pursue the presence of God in your life. I thank God for my heritage and as you heard me last week, my praying mama. I thank God for it, but I can't ride my mama's coattail into heaven. I can't ride my mama's coattail into the blessings and favor of God. It's time for me to stand up and pursue after it myself and begin to see the move of God in my life and begin to see what God can do through my household, begin to see what the power and the presence of God can do coming out of my house. You see, religious folks... They just look at what's going on and they complain. That pastor shouts too much. Those drums were just way too loud. I couldn't worship for watching dreads sling those dreads. I was sitting behind Mr. Roy and the reflection was blinding my eyes. I couldn't worship. Come on now. We find every excuse. In the, my belly hurts. Folks, I'm just telling you things I've heard. Except for Mr. Roy. I made that up. And you know what? I told Josh. I hope it's okay, Josh. If I talk about you a minute. He said yes. I told Josh last week. There's nothing that motivates me more to worship than when I see him kick off his shoes and start slinging those dreads. That's his way of worshiping. I love it. I love it. I'm just jealous because I can't grow my hair that long and sling it. Roy said amen. You see, it's time to quit looking here and saying, oh, that's good for Josh. Or, wow, Ryan, drive the bus, as Pastor Scott tells you. Oh, that sounded great. And these guys are wonderful. I'm telling you, we are blessed. But we have got to get to a point that we're desperate. You need God to do something, get desperate about it. Get desperate about it. Get desperate about it. Because 
when you get desperate, you begin to create that atmosphere because you begin to enter in. You see, I'm believing today we're going to be amazed at what God does in this house. I believe it's time we leave this house and say just what they said here in the scriptures. Wow, I ain't never seen nothing like that before. I'm ready for people to look at my life and say, wow, I ain't never seen nothing like that before. I'm ready to hit phone calls saying, wow, pastor, I ain't never seen God use church folk like he's using yours. I can't wait when school starts back that Pastor Corbin's principal calls me and said, wow, I didn't know what we was getting when we hired him, but revival's here now. Y'all may think I'm nuts, but I believe it can happen. I'm using my rearview mirror to propel me forward, and I believe God is going to do something we've never seen before. You see, yesterday morning, we came in agreement that roofs were going to be tore off. Here we go. Roofs were coming off. Roofs in your house that has been limiting you. Let's take it a step further. Roofs that you have built. Oh my. Oh my. Roofs that you've built that has limited your faith. Because your answer comes from your faith in his presence. Do you really believe he can do it? Do you really believe he's a miracle working God? Do you really believe he's a delivering God? You see, today I'm believing that roofs are going to be tore off. I'm believing that we're going to create an atmosphere where we tore off and we tear off because what we've been doing is limiting God by building these roofs. Maybe it was a roof of, of a lack of faith you've built over it. Today, we're going to rip that roof down. Oh, come on. Ben, come on up here. I'm getting ready. I, I, God's getting ready to move in this place. Whew. Mm. Somebody just give him a shout as they're coming. I want to wait till they're up here before I continue. You see, I'm believing for a Holy Ghost outpouring in this place. I don't know what you came expecting. I don't know your background. But I know a God. That we are today going to tear roofs off to get in. And what I mean by that, just like Christ was in the house and he was in the front with, let me borrow this a minute, with a stool. And he began to break bread of the word and said, People gathered in to see Jesus, but not just to see him. It was the anointing that was upon his life. The glory of God rested upon him, and it drew. And I'm here to tell you, the glory of God is in this house. You may not sense it or feel it where you're at, but I double-dog dare you to get up here. Whew.
And the four desperate guys with their friend were desperate to get up here and get to Jesus. But there was a roof, there was a barrier between them and Christ. And today, there's barriers that are keeping you from here. The crowd of people, the roof, the stairs, getting him up there, lowering. They had all kinds of obstacles, but they said, we got to get to Jesus. And my prayer today is that this mentality jumps all over you, that you've got to get to Jesus, that you've got to get into the presence of God because I'm believing there's more for this house than just sitting out there sipping coffee saying, Good word, Pastor Scott. And don't get me wrong. I need that encouragement, just like you do. I thrive on it. I appreciate it so much. And I'm so humbled to be your pastor. But I'm here to tell you, I encountered God this week in a fresh and a new and in a different way. It wasn't one of those like Pensacola when he just knocked me to the floor and wiped me out and mopped the floor up with me. No, it was, it was different. But I got a hold of the more. And I just want you in it. You know, it's easy to sit here and be a, a dead, dry, let's have fun church. But I'm going to tell you, it's so much more fun when you rip the roof off and you get in his presence. And I'm just going to tell you, there's some people in this house right now that you need to tear off the roof. You need to tear the, I'm just going to call it for what it is. Some of you need to tear the roof off of pride. Wow. I'm going to say it back here too. Some need to tear the roof off of pride. I don't care if you need to throw that instrument down and get in this altar. Throw it down and get up here. Throw that microphone down. No, don't. Throw the microphone down. Just lay it down. And get up here. We've got to tear the roof off of pride. Pride. Pride will keep you from the presence of God. I've gotten to the point. I love you, but I don't care what you think. I'm going to get in the presence of God because I need more. And you're looking at a very prideful guy at one time. I still take pride in things. But I want the presence of God more than I want anything. Because I'm tired of status quo and normal. We've got to tear the roof off of pride. Some of you, you've got to tear the roof off of unbelief. You got, you got to tear the roof. I can't do it for you. I do everything within my power for my wife, but I can't tear the roof off for her. She's got to tear it off. You got to tear the roof off of unbelief. And, oh my. Some of you, I'm just going to call it the way it is. You have not received your healing because you got a roof of unbelief over you. got to tear the roof of unbelief off. You got to tear the roof of doubt off. Oh, God done that for Pastor Scott, but he won't do it for me. I doubt. No. Get rid of that doubt and tear the roof off of it today. Tear it off. 
Some of you wonderful Christian folks need to tear the roof off of that religious spirit that you're carrying around. I'll bear you back up here. That one didn't get an amen. It's not about religion. It's relationship. Tear the roof off and get to Jesus and get a relationship like you've never had with the King of Kings and the great I Am. Get a relationship. Man, we talked about this. You need to tear the roof off of lust. I better turn around and preach back here. They're not hearing me. Tear the roof off of lust. And I'm going to leave that right where it's at. Some of you know exactly who you are. Tear the roof off of lust. I'm going to call it. I'm going to go there. Quit looking at that other man's wife with lust in your eyes. Quit looking at your neighbors. Quit looking at what they have in coveting. It's a form of lust. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You got to tear the roof off of it. You got to. Oh, Lord, help me on this one. Some of you need to tear the roof off of your bad attitude. Philippians tells me to have the attitude of Christ Jesus. Some of you need to tear the roof off of that bad attitude. I'm going to go a step further. Some of you in leadership, if you're operating with a bad attitude, look out, God's going to remove you if you don't get rid of it. I know some of you sitting there going, wow, Pastor, we never heard you like this before. I'm telling you, we got to rip some roofs off. Some of you need to rip that roof off of negativity. Get rid of it. Tear the roof off of negativity. Tear it off. Get in the presence of God. You tear the roof off. And get in the presence of God, He's going to heal. He's going to forgive. He's going to restore. He's going to mend. He's going to return back what the adversary stole. You tear the roof off the house and watch what He does. Watch what He does. Tear the roof off. Tear the roof off. Oh, come on, folks. Tear the roof off. Mark chapter 11, verse 12 says this. And from the days of Jonah, John, I'm I'm sorry. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. That's Jesus speaking. Somebody needs to rip the roof off with violence. Start slinging that stuff. Get it tore off. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it today and tear the roof off that house. You see, I'd love to come running back there and grab you. I'm going to use Mr. Roy and say, come on, Mr. Roy. Let's tear that roof off. You need to get rid of that roof. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it for you. You got to get up and run and tear that roof off. Thank you, sir. 
I mean, there's, I'm just going to be honest. There's several of you right now just looking at you. God's dealing with you, and you ought to already be up here, but you sitting there. Come get me, Pastor, and we'll tear it off. I ain't coming to get you, baby. I'm tearing my own roof off because I'm desperate for a move of God. I'm ready for a move of God. You need to tear a roof off. You need to move. Two people have heard me. You got a roof to tear off? Do it. Tear it off. It's going to take you violently going after it. Tear the roof off of your limitations now. Tear the roof off of it. Tear it off. God, now. Yes. 